GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. Shoppers queued up from as early as 4am to get their Black Friday bargains in town today. Shalina Asimov had the details and Bishop Carmel Zamit offered some spiritual balance to the Black Friday mayhem. How well do we look after the most senior members of our community? The quality of care was one of the main talking points on Viewpoint last night. We'll hear from presenter-producer Roz Astengo on her topic, Senior Citizens Thriving or Surviving. And Joe Martinez and Ray Murphy of the Table Tennis Association tell us about a purple tournament for Pancreatic Awareness Month. But first... Over the past 10 years, the population of Gibraltar has grown significantly. The official count is expected to be published in 2024, next year. But Sir Joe Bosano has confirmed in Parliament that the 2022 census is pointing to a population of around 38,000 people. That's an increase of 6,000 people since 2012. So our new population in Gibraltar is 38,000 people. Of those, 29,000 people are British Gibraltarian, just under 6,000 are UK nationals, nearly 900 are Spanish, 261 are Moroccan, and over 2,000 are a mix of other nationalities, including Russian and Chinese. To discuss the statistics, Dr. Darren Farr, who has studied population growth and gave a very interesting jib talk on this topic in 2015, entitled A Question Worth Thinking About. And Dr. Darren Farr actually predicted eight years ago that we would have a, a very significant increase in our population by the year 2023. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, I had about... For this state, about just over 36, so we're actually... Ahead of the curve that you were already (laughs) predicting. And you were talking about it as being an exponential growth. Yes, this is um, the it's, it's essentially it's 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 very simple. I mean, I don't I, I don't bore anyone with any math, but it's essentially what everyone uses when they invest in in uh, you know set up a, a bank account that gives you interest. It's compound interest, and anything that grows steadily grows up by a percentage. And and you know, I mean, we we wouldn't bat an eyelid if someone says you know. I don't know a, a particular thing is growing at seven percent. It's a low number. If I told you that is going to, I mean, we wish we, we'd, we'd wish that our money we in the wish bank that would our grow money grow at seven. <laughs> well, but for example, but a growth of seven percent means that your money will double in ten years. Now, when you sure. now, so when it's something like money, you say, "Hey, cool." When it's something like crime rate, then you say, "Oh, wait a moment." That's, that's um, bad news. And you. this is what happens with something that is doubling very easily, a uh, simple doubling of one, two, four, eight, you know, doubles, grows, uh, you know, a thousand times bigger in just 10 doublings. This so, so what happens with something like an exponential growth rate is that you really don't see it coming. Um, and when you start to see it, it's already late. I mean, the example of the uh, chessboard and the r- grains of rice is <laughs> as simple as it is mind-blowing. It is because again, um, it's 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 getting to grips with with how quickly things get big because they start off slow. So, so it, it, talk yeah. us through that very quickly, if you would. This is this is a story, a wonderful story of a 
um, that uh, I think someone did, a farmer or something, did something for, for an emperor of China way back in the context, doesn't really matter. But he said, what do you want? He said, I want something's very simple. I'm a very simple man. I just, they would just give me one grain of rice, take a chessboard, which is 64 squares as we know. I said, put one grain of rice in the first one and two grains of rice in the second and then double it to four and double it to eight and whatever I get. And, you know, the emperor said, hey, you know, this is, Cool, you know what I mean? Uh, Sounds uh, easy, no? Easy, you know, this guy doesn't want much, maybe a couple of truckloads of rice, you know. And it ends up being, you know, you'd need three planets worth to to grow enough rice to actually be able to pay the man just on the chessboard by the way that it grows. Because, it, again, it starts off very slow, it's a very slow curve. The nature imagine of, sort of image a doubling number. It going up. It's happening with stuff like population growth, it's happening with, with, with other things. Um, and often it's a result of doing things as we've always done them before. It's just that there's more and more. If 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 a family has three children or four children and every generation has three or four children, it very quickly becomes uh, an exponential curve. And everyone's family is the same size as it's always been and they're doing the same stuff. So there's births plus there's also migration. Yeah, there's also migration. Because we, we saw um, uh, Sergio Bosano read out a list of where the, the, the people registered in the census come from, and it, and it makes for very interesting listening because uh, they've come from, you know, in, in, in a growing number of countries. We've always thought of Gibraltar as being a melting pot of different peoples from different cultures, and, you know, we, we're proud of the fact that, uh, you know, we, we have Genoese ancestors who settled in, in, in you know, in course, Gibraltar yeah. when it was small. Uh, and, and that growth continues with people from all over the world. Well, it does. Um, I suppose if you've got to look at the big picture too. There is just the one world, so if they're coming here, they're leaving somewhere else. Um, um, so, it's, so it's movement diasporas, essentially. Mm -hmm. But it's happened before. I mean, it's quite interesting. Gibraltar has had strong population pulses in certain periods of time. One really classic one where I tend to think which sort of like consolidated... I think the Gibraltarian, at least initial identity, is um, during the early 1800s, so between Trafalgar and the and the Peninsular War, and okay, the, War the Battle Salute. of Trafalgar. So, yeah, yeah. so you know, Gibraltar found itself in in essentially a, a loophole within Napoleon's continental system, it was trying to blockade all the ports in Europe, and the, they were coming here and. Tr passing merchandise from one ship to the other. And obviously people here were making money on that. Um, so Gibraltar was contributing millions of dollars per month to Wellington's war effort in Spain. And the population of Gibraltar went from 5,000 to 15,000 in a decade. So that's a tripling. And you say, wow, you know, huge. But then what happens? You ended up having yellow fever epidemics and the, because people were coming it in. Came and down sanitary, again after that. You know, you didn't have enough facilities for them, etc. So when you have growth in numbers, you're going to realize that that's additional pressures on your infrastructure and, you know, what you essentially have in order to support because you predict on the basis of what you have. Okay, so um, po the population's grown then by 6,000 people in the past 10 years. Uh, how does that growth compare to the growth that we'd seen in previous decades? Because I assume that it's more or less consistent or, or accelerating ever so slightly. This is, this is part of parcel. I mean, what triggered my thinking way back then is just an interesting thought. I came across something I saw 
I think it was um, um, some uh, World Bank or uh, UN data, something like that. And they had Gibraltar with pretty much a mainlining population or so about just under 30,000 flat. Impossible. And and the highest GDP, on top of that, I'm saying, hey, we've got the perfect society. But we as, live here, as we, we like to say, <laughs> somos lo mejor. Somos lo mejor. Fantástico, we're number one. But you say, but in reality, you know, okay, it's not true. No, so you have to look. Have I mean, to we look may be it. number one, but for different reasons. No? <laughs> for other reasons, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's good to, to reflect and look back, obviously it's important to 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 be self-critical and and it's quite interesting because since about um you know the the 80s going on what i noticed why is it flatlining and what you had was particularly a drop down in in the military infrastructure particularly military personnel so you had about the drop of about five six thousand military personnel oh, because over. of the maybe the, the dockyards everything and was going you know all I mean, the yeah, major you see, economic changes you've yeah. seen how many housing estates are now sort of like residential but used to be for army personnel and True. how many all of these things have happened and and now we're reaching a cap so now we're having to build more but for a long time we were moving into areas which were being left vacant. And as these numbers went down, we had a background rate, which I looked as when I teased out the... Um, the, the growth the, the of the graph. People, no? Our growth rate was pretty much constant, but it was pretty much being offset, just like you might do with a carbon credit, mm -hmm. with the ones that are coming down. So it was flatlining. And then about 2006, 2007, all of a sudden this appeared. And it went from zero point something to one point three. In other words, the percentage growth all of a sudden Shut from up. one tier to the next. You say, where are these people coming from? These people weren't being bred here. The, 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 the locals. There were just always the, new people. It's just that were some new, people were people were leaving. Were leaving so, we, so overall, the, the 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 message I was coming is we're pretty much growing very slowly. So from about two thousand seven onwards, you see all of a sudden a a hike in numbers. But the, the, those numbers were coming from before. I'm not saying that you had people migrating in and out or not. That's always going to happen, and that's going to shift it. But if you but, look but you back... But you had the families that since, were growing. Since, yeah. since, the, since the return from the evacuation, there's pretty much been a constant rate of growth of people's families so growing. As you, what does this mean for construction and housing? Because you, you pointed to the fact in your talk in 2015 that in the 80s we had um, a land reclamation on the west side, which... Mm added a third of the existing available land space uh, and, um, and and obviously um, looking at this new figure of 38,000 people I note that uh, of course we have uh, another major project on the horizon now in the uh, on the east side um, which is I, I think expected to include um, 160,000 square meters and a thousand three hundred. Uh, high-quality residential units and 100 units of affordable housing. So we have another massive, um, you know, sort of reclamation project yeah. and, and, and an increase in housing. No, I mean, this is, this is great and it's expected. I think the, the, the message that I would keep on saying, I know it's unfortunately um, uh, one which, which is slightly negative, but worth thinking about, as I said, is that when we increased the, the, the land surface area by a third, and it's taken us 300 years to fill up the two-thirds that we've now had, you would say, well, if it's taken us, you know, 300 years, it's 150 years for this additional third I've added. We filled it in 20. Gee. We filled that additional third in 20. So, so, so the reality is, I mean, um, I'm under the numbers when I did the modelling, so obviously the growth rate is up. But by 2050, if based on the model, we double our population. 
So that's yeah. so that's, that. so that's sixty thousand people. So so basically, um, the East Side Reclamation uh, is going to help with this uh, growing population, making sure that there are houses locally. In but the it's very, not going in to, the very short term. It's not going to solve in the it, very immediate short term, based on if if things continue. Um, of course, like as well. The, if you look at the political, um, you know, sort of space, then uh, a successful treaty negotiation might mean then that the the frontier dynamics change, and, and that could have a significant impact. This th- again, this has happened before. You go back to nineteenth century. You're actually saying that a lot of locals were actually having to go and live in across across the border because of the cost of of housing here. Um, so yeah, they're interesting dynamics. Uh, um, but as I mentioned, the thing to think about is that the pressures it brings is not just on immediately oh, on housing, no, public, services, no? public services, everything I else mean, like that. Uh, yeah. And obviously everyone will expect, have yeah. an expectation of being able to live in their homeland. Compre- and and, and be able to access the, the, the hospitals, Exactly, schools. so, so, so. And and it's the rate of growth which is yeah. which which is worrying. <laughs> well, no, Darren, I could I could talk to you all day about this, but uh, I think we're we're more or less out of time. But uh, thank you so much. Very interesting and a conversation that I suppose we need to carry on having. You're very welcome. Yes, we will continue. All right. Thanks. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Darren Fah of the University of Gibraltar, talking to us uh, about the uh, six thousand people extra that now live in Gibraltar compared to ten years ago. Our new population uh, 38,000 to be confirmed but um, but wow uh, a big jump and uh, Roz Astengo is here now uh, and it sort of more or less dovetails with your topic last night Roz because uh, you were talking uh, about um, senior citizens uh, and the fact that we are an aging society and, and how well do we look after those people. Yes actually it was an interesting point that was raised by Conchita Triai who is a member of the panel from the Mental Welfare Society and And she said that, I don't know if Darren is aware of this, but uh, she quoted this statistic that by 2050, 22% of the population will be over 60 or of retirement age. And this is a big concern. Darren's nodding for our radio listeners. He is is nodding. And um, so this is obviously a concern. And Conchita's point was, is that we need to prepare. We need to be better prepared for an ageing society because the topic of last night's viewpoint was, uh, you know, how well do we look after uh, the, the senior citizens in, in the community? And there were quite a number of issues that came up. Um, but the most significant issue, I think, uh, in a wide-ranging discussion, and I'll touch on some of the points, but the most significant issue was the poor quality of care in some circumstances, not all the time, but some circumstances. That some of the carers are not very pleasant people oh. and not very caring, as I've oh. said on another occasion. Uh, I mean, I know of one individual who's done something like a hundred carers in two or three years. Yeah. That's a stranger coming in, doing mm. intimate services. That's terrible. Yes. Yeah. How, 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 what kind of service is that? What yeah, you're getting care, yeah. but yeah. really at a bottom price. There are many that do a fantastic job on horrendous terms and conditions in terms mm-hmm. of zero-hours contracts in terms of incredibly low pay. I mean, I think to look after an individual, um, a lot, you know, a lot of agencies do pay, um, you know, minimum wage or close to the minimum wage and for, to dealing up with very complex individuals, very complex needs for as little as 860 an hour. You've got to look at why people would want to become a carer. Now, yeah. if you're paying the minimum wage, clearly they're looking for a job. 
And some people who get involved in caring, they see that as an opportunity to get into the job market mm. and might not necessarily have thought, oh, I really want to be yes, a carer. I don't have a vocation for that, but yes. they might see it as a stepping stone to getting into the job market, getting some experience in work and so on. Uh, there is elder abuse. It is real. It is yeah. a horrible thing to face, but it does happen where people are terrified of some of the carers that come through. Yeah. And that this is another reason for the Quality Care Commission. There are many elderly people who do have family and whose families, I think, don't take mm -hmm. uh, enough care of them, you know? And I think that that is a, a very sad thing. You know, we can't expect the government and the state to take care of everything mm. and everybody all the time, you know? We have our own responsibilities. Yeah, so that was Contita Triai. We just heard from her there. That also contributing to that debate was Charlie Bishop from the NASUWT, Sam Hennessy from Unite the Union. Both those unions involved in the Joint Pensioners Convention with the GGCA, and also Rob Chandler from the Senior Citizens Association. A couple of other key areas that were talked about was access to government services. Uh, many of the older generation finding that quite difficult because they they're not quite with the whole digitization. And then you go into uh, some offices, some public counters, and there's no seating there. Some mm. people find it difficult to queue. There's also a language barrier, particularly some of, for some of the Moroccan um, elderly there. Uh, so that was an issue. And also the other issue, a very simple one to resolve, really. I'm not so sure, maybe not so simple, but it's, it's when you're looking Seems after... Simple, huh? Yeah, when you're looking after senior citizens and you've got to go and pick them up from their estate and, and then drop them back, there's just nowhere for people to park. And you oh, know, Not seniors, simple at all, then. Yeah, so they need to be escorted up to their flat so where do you leave your car it, it leaves family members in a very very difficult situation what they're calling for is some sort of a loading bay uh, where they can drop you know older people and escort them safely to their uh, apartments yeah. so, uh, so and then get back to as their car. per the discussion about gibraltar's growth in population space is space. again it's always going to be an issue, issue for us isn't it it is for gibraltar <laughs> uh, it was a really interesting program ros uh, congratulations you. and uh, if you if you missed it you can watch viewpoint again back online gbc.gi senior citizens thriving or surviving a really important uh, conversation which also i'm sure we'll continue to have thanks for joining us ros and um, let's leave the final word to some of our listeners who've been in touch on this question of the population growth. Uh, 6,000 more people now than 10 years ago. 38,000 is our new um, uh, population in Gibraltar. Melody says, uh, how accurate is the census? Did all Gibraltarians fill it in? Uh, people die, people are born, numbers can vary. But I suppose the, the, the whole point of the census is to take a day and to try to tell people that that's going to happen on that day and then to, to you know, see how many people are recorded. Um, and Leslie, last word to Leslie, who says, we are still using the same sewage system as we did in 1850 when the population was a little less than half at 18,000. So twice as many, um, you know, twice as many, twice as much stuff moving through our sewers. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Shoppers queued up from as early as 4 a.m. to ensure they didn't miss out on bargains. Uh, Black Friday is always busy, but I think it's it's getting busier. Uh, there was a particularly long queue outside one electronic shop, uh, which was opening at 10. Shalina Asamal was there just before it opened and joins us now. Um, 
Shalini, I mean, it's a growing phenomenon, isn't it? I mean, we've seen absolutely chaotic images on um, British and in particular on American television and I think in other places as well. But, um, but, but, uh, and we haven't quite reached those levels, but, but still the queue this morning was quite impressive. Yes, it's definitely growing. Uh, thank you for having me, Jonathan. As you mentioned, um, the US, it did start over there and that's where we first started seeing these wild images of people uh, pushing each other into large stores. But over the years, it has picked up around the globe and uh, Gibraltar is very much becoming a part of that. Um, I suppose with a cost of living crisis, you know, having happened not too long ago, people still recovering from that. Every little helps, as a lot of shoppers told me today. Um, you did mention a particular queue. I think um, over the last few years, I've become the Black Friday correspondent. So I have seen that queue grow over the years. And I have to admit, today was probably the largest I've seen it yet. Um, and and, and it, was it worth it for them? I mean, well, yeah. So I, I asked shoppers, you know, is it worth it? Like, why, why have you decided to come down so early? And they said, yeah, it's honestly just the best prices around in Gibraltar at the moment, in fairness to them. Um, but definitely, you know, traders are really trying their best on the back of having some difficult times and they're all trying to slash prices where they can. But uh, this shop in particular seems to be able to offer some... Are we talking about the gadget shop? We are talking to, about to the gadget shop, yes. To be fair to shop. them, yes. um, other electronic shops are available and, and also offering good deals, um, I know from personal experience. Yep, but but uh, the, the long queue, uh, when you uh, arrived on Main Street this morning, the long longest queue was outside there. In all honesty, the only queue. Uh, places were busy, definitely a lot of shops doing some business today, but the only queue outside a shop was uh, the gadget shop. Um, people looking for Playstations, air fryers largely, and um, as you mentioned, some starting from as early as four in the morning. Let's hear what um, those shoppers had to say. So my dad woke up at four, and then... I said I'd come and take over at nine. <laughs> so we've only been here an hour, so it's not too bad. <laughs> but you've been doing shifts, so from as early as four o'clock in the morning? Yeah, so we just swapped over now. <laughs> last year, I remember coming by last year and seeing the queue that went all the way back. And I thought, I have to start a bit earlier this year. Well, I've been here since 6 in the morning. But, well, I'm happy being second, really, to look at the queue, right? Since 20 past 8, and because they've got really good offers. Yeah. I'm here to try and get a couple of uh, items for my grandchildren. Kind of pushed into this by my, grand, uh, by my daughter. <laughs> it's simply Black Friday, and they do seem to have uh, quite a few good offers. Obviously, my son is after a PlayStation. So I've asked him and he said, okay, even though there's no there in the shop, he'll still bring them. So it's a good idea to come on the queue. Uh, because I'm buying my daughter um, her first mobile phone. And there's a few things online that I, I saw on offer and I wanted to get them. I heard someone was here last year, like six hours or something. But I'm... Uh, buying stuff for the family mainly. Yeah? Yeah, some, some stuff for the kids as well. So it's quite a bit, bit of saving. So in all fairness, it's, it's worth, a, worth a wait. How long have you been waiting for? An hour, more or less. Um, anywhere else in town that you might be trying to go to today for the Black Friday sale? Yes, possibly Sport City, Emporium, Matalan, many shops. PlayStation 5, hopefully you don't see it, and um, some pyjamas, makeup bags and shoes as well. Thanks for the baby, so it's a kind of shift, so thanks for the little one and thanks for my, for my nieces and, and niece as well. Because you do get the um, good quality um, stuff downtown and you can get it at a very good price. No, no, just doing the donkey work for my wife. Yeah? <laughs> That's it. I think that the January sales are better, mm. to be honest, yeah. because some shops are only offering 20%. Some shops 20%, some 15, and others 10. 
but yes, very good. Nothing 50%, but we're getting there. <laughs> but we still look, got loads of stuff. It depends which shops, but uh, but every little helps before Christmas when you have kids and birthdays and stuff like that. So it's, it definitely helps a bit, yes. Oh, what an ambiente, Shalina. A uh, lot of activity on uh, Main Street, as it happened, I think you were speaking, but generally in town no? on this Black Friday. Uh, we've got uh, other people joining the conversation. Elspeth, thank you for being in touch. Con lo bueno que está la cama a esa hora, says Elspeth. <laughs> Liam, a la cuatro de la mañana que gana. Um, people very keen, says Liam. Yep, uh, absolutely. Uh, it's commitment. Jo- it is commitment. John says, most of the items sold in Gibraltar on Black Friday are either either older versions, uh, i.e. not the latest, or more expensive than online outlets. So even a discount uh, means that you're still being ripped off. I, 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 I'm not going to comment generally, but I know that, uh, or rather, I, I'm sure that it, perhaps that, that might there might be some element of truth if John is saying that, but, but I know for a fact that uh, some of the deals were actually extremely competitive with online pricing. Yeah, so I understand, and I take John's point, that it's very easy as well these days to just check online how much something is compared to here and in Gibraltar there are different uh, fees that you might incur but uh, in particular today uh, the shoppers I spoke to at least those queuing said that these deals were cheaper than what they were seeing online which is why they were willing to put in that extra effort um, I suppose it's just one of those things people will be doing their best to be competitive today uh, We've got a comment now from the Roman Catholic Bishop of Gibraltar Carmel Zemit on Black Friday Black Friday which is the initiative the initial go or the beginning of selling things for Christmas is the Christmas period, the time people go a bit mad in buying things. And uh, I think that many people enjoy Christmas in a way, but they hate it in another way. And the hatred comes from all the headaches one gets, what to get, presents, food, liquors, wine, everything, you know, and they preoccupy themselves a lot so that there is no, nothing missing. But I, I, I have to admit that culture is what it is, and we have to accept it, but people should think twice about getting into so many expenses just to please sometimes, just to please and I hope that the celebration of Christmas is not reduced only to buying and enjoying. That's what I say. You know, if you buy, you consume, you are trying to live this period in a very festive way, but materially, there is something missing. There should be at least a bit of what really Christmas is. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. We're going to talk table tennis next, um, but let me just uh, ask, uh, well, welcome to the studio, Joe Martinez and Ray Murphy. Uh, And as individuals, before you put your table tennis association hats on, as individuals living in Gibraltar, what do you make of the Black Friday phenomenon? Um, Well, uh, I'm not really that interested in it, to be quite honest. Uh, I'd rather avoid all the rush and... uh people buying and so on and uh, you know I think it started out with um, games and stuff like that and then it's evolved to everybody else and now we're getting to Black Friday or Black Weeks 
And, you know, you wonder about the stuff that's being put on offer as well. And so it's slightly cynical, Jonathan. Slightly. All right, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Ray? Well, yeah, I, I am, I'm the same as Joe. Um, I think that it's, uh, it's a con. It's uh, um, a general con. And there's just been a big report by the Witch magazine, which is found out by um, investigating 40 or 50 big stores that um, 90% of the prices which they increase haven't been increased. They've actually um, put the price up six months ago and then they reduce it on the Black Friday week. It's a Black Friday week now, not even Mm. a Black Friday day. And this is a witch report into UK shops? Into UK shops, yeah. So, yeah, we don't know if it applies in Gibraltar, but this is your general sense. Yeah, if you look around a lot of the shops, the 50% discounts are not on all the items anyway. So they're probably generally on oversized or undersized clothes. and I don't know, I'm a bit cynical as well, right, Joe? Well, I mean... uh, I, I wouldn't be rushing to a shop to... And anyway, if you if you don't need something, why buy it? You know, I mean, most people. That's a fair point. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. We we do sometimes get caught up in in sort of consumerist momentum, um, and and we should always stop to think if we need something. Um, right. Well, thank you for that. I mean, we're here to talk about uh, um, obviously a, a uh, you know an effort that you're you're contributing to Pancreatic Awareness Month, which is a, a campaign which aims to double the survival rate. Uh, so that many more people survive, um, many more people diagnosed with that cancer survive to live long and well. And on The Rock, there are a number of events being carried out. Um, uh, and you guys, as the Table Tennis Association, are hosting a purple tournament tomorrow. Uh, what does that entail? Uh, well, it's um, it's going to be a doubles tournament. Um, this was an idea... That was thought up about 18 months ago. Uh, last time we came here, we did tell you that it was in the process of being... I remember, yeah. Be, ...being done and that. And obviously, somebody that you've spoken to recently, uh, Luis Valdaquino, he was the man that suggested the idea because on one of the trips up to Pamplona, as I go, as one of his escorts because he's got a network of friends and family that escort him. Yeah, and he's paid uh, tribute to your support and how vital it's been for him. Yeah, he's. Yeah. and anyway, on one of those trips, we were on our way up to Pamplona. It's a long journey by train. And he said, Joe, what, what about doing a table tennis tournament for pancreatic cancer? So I thought, yeah, well, I'll, I'll put it to the committee. Uh, it was suggested, and then obviously it's taken about 18 months to try and find a slot. As you know, the last year and a half, we were busy preparing for the Island Games in Guernsey. And although we've started our league competitions already, we thought that about three weeks into the league that we would hold this tournament because anyway, it was in November. So, yeah, it's going to be a doubles tournament. You can enter with your a partner of your choice or if you haven't got a partner, we will find one for you because we will be drawing uh, lots out. It's Good £10 stuff. Pounds per registration and all the money will be going to the... Cancer, the Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Group. Mm -hmm. I can already say we've already raised a thousand pounds from businesses and companies that have pledged money towards it. So we're just going to add on to that. So hopefully the more people that come, the merrier tomorrow. Good stuff. So uh, it's it's about table tennis, but um, but Ray, it it, it has a, a significant meaning. Um, I, I, I know for um, for people, there's a lot of us who have loved ones uh, who have lived with cancer. 
um, and and being such a close knit community, I know that it's sort of you know it's a message that uh, that you guys are taking to heart. No, not just a, a table tennis association tournament, but but something that involves friends and family members. Yes, I mean I've had cancer three 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 times now, um, so I would be classed as a cancer survivor. And I couldn't fault my journey in cancer, you know, the way the GHA have, um, have um, dealt with my cancers. And, um, yeah, I couldn't fault them any, as, at all. In fact, I praised them for, from, from the oncologist to, to Dr. Antikera to, to Dr. Haider. All these, uh, you know, need, need a, a pat on the back because they're doing a fantastic job. I, my journey has been mine has been caught very early. This is this is my my journey. But I know that pancreatic cancer has it's uh, it's there's not many people survive very low survival. So rate, they need yeah. to do more more um, investigations. They need to do they need to um, you know. How are you fund, feeling, Ray? Funding is probably pun. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. You know, I'm I'm back to I play table tennis. Play. I I yeah. I keep myself fit. Um, you know, and I don't dwell on it at all. Um, you know, I treat everything as a journey. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, so it's, it's just a journey. It's another journey. You know, so at the moment I'm free. I've had a few tests in the last few weeks. So it's great news. It's the, the, the good news is, is when the oncologist said, "I'll see you next year." Brilliant. <laughs> so. Um, so yeah, well, and, I'm very uh, glad to hear that. And uh, I mean, to, to state the obvious, it must be very difficult to, to receive a, a cancer diagnosis. And I'm sure that uh, uh, charities like Pancreatic, um, uh, um, like uh, you know, the, the charity that you're raising money for, um, they do invaluable work in providing support. No? Yes, uh, I'd like, to, like also like to add, Jonathan, that um, as you're aware, over the last uh, half year, six months or so, we've also made contact and establish the link with the Puerto de Santa Maria Table Tennis Federation and the top Spanish coach Lolo Lopez comes over every at least once a month or once every two months to coach our players we've also been over to play there but he's agreed to come over tomorrow and he's going to organize the tournament he's going to be the tournament director and as I say it'll be a friendly thing, although obviously, you know, some of the table tennis boffs will, might want to be... Some people get competitive. Get, get competitive and so on. But uh, like I say, you know, it's just going to be there for everybody. If you do register, you, you will be guaranteed a minimum of six games because what Lolo does is that he makes a draw and puts them into groups. So you're guaranteed three matches in a group. And if you get out of the group, you will go on to the final stages. Stage. And those that don't go out of the group will have their plate competition. Good stuff. And Lolo has also contributed the medals for that event. Whilst, you know, other sponsors locally, Base World and DNH have contributed towards the medals and, and obviously to making contributions to, to, to the course. Excellent. So it's open to anyone who wants to attend? Yep. Anybody can come down. Obviously, 10 a.m. tomorrow, no? Yeah, we, we, at 10 o'clock start, we would be looking for people to come in between 9.30ish, 9.45, so that yeah, it's probably for no? sorting out the names because Lolo's got to make yeah, the, draw do the draw and, yeah. and all that. But yeah, and we'll be there and I think there'll be some cakes and uh, cupcakes and stuff like that and we'll just try and have a... A, a good uh, few hours down there at the Mooga Hall. Claro que si. I, mean, I would implore anybody. <laughs> table tennis is a sport that that um, most people could play, 
Uh, it's a sport you can play till you're, you know, I mean, I'm not young. I can play till they're 90 <laughs> or 100. You can play it all your life. So I'd employ anybody to come down tomorrow. Um, just have a go. It's for the charity and, uh, you know, bring your friends and... Uh, have a good time. They can have a good time. Another thing as well, Jonathan, you know, as over the last six years, how we've evolved and sort of blossomed again. Um, and again, it has to man be mentioned, it's in, in no small part due to the help and support of the, the GSLA and of having found uh, an area where we can use these wonderful tables that everybody in is in. Oh, you know, when they come over from Spain and that is, they are the best tables in the whole of the... Andalusian region, but anyway, that's been Good. very, very fundamental for our for our growth, really. Okay. The GSLA support. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from one to two, getting behind the headlines, and you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.